We're in a series, meaning we take a topic and talk about it for several weeks, and this one we started last week called Bad Blood, and we'll take a few minutes to review and then jump in for today's topic. Uh, title today is Holding On. Uh, it's amazing how quickly a relationship can turn into bad blood, whether it be a spouse, a parent, child, sibling, whatever it might be. Um, and what, our, what we would like is to have healthy relationships, obviously. So we talked about last week, <clears throat> you can have peace about these bad blood relationships, even if without peace in the relationship. Uh, if, you can't, if you haven't fixed it or haven't, haven't been able to fix it yet, you can still have peace. Um, because our relationships reflect on the quality of our lives. Good relationships, good lives, bad relationships, uh, our lives aren't as good. We also said last week the path of, to peace or peace of peace <clears throat> is paved with empathy. And we described that as taking a long walk around to seeing things from their perspective like you do on a golf tee. If you're putting, from, uh, you walk around to the other side. So you can see something you cannot see from this side, you walk to the other side. And so this is difficult for us. But to try and see things from the other person's perspective is empathy. We'll talk about it a little bit more in a few minutes. So in a difficult relationship, empathy can be the key to opening a dialogue that leads to a healthy relationship. So often in these bad blood relationships, we aren't communicating, or we can't communicate. We're not communicating at a, at a deeper level. So how do you get out of that? How do you break out of that? Well, one of the keys is, is empathy. Uh, I've been sharing some personal stories. I'm going to share one about uh, my wife uh, today. Um, when we were dating, when I met her, her parents were separated, or maybe even divorced. I can't remember when I first met her, her dad. His name was Adrian. <clears throat> but uh, I do remember when she told him we, she was going to marry a preacher that his response is not quotable for me here in this setting. Anyway, um, he uh, evidently had been prosperous early in his life. When I, I met him, his, his life was going downhill. Uh, he wasn't financially stable. He was an alcoholic. Uh, at one point, he had a living girlfriend who was younger than my wife. Um, eventually, he bought a house in, uh, up here on top of the mountain, and he got into financial problems, and, and he needed some money, and I couldn't lend him money. I didn't have any money, so I borrowed money from my mom to lend to my uh, father-in-law. Uh, long story short, he never paid it back, um, Financial peace tell you, don't lend money to <laughs> family. You can give it to family, just don't lend it to family. Um, we went uh, overseas. He moved to uh, Louisiana, where he was from. Uh, when we came back, we went to see him. At this point, he's living by himself. He is living in a trailer. I actually went, we went down there, and I actually put a skirting around his trailer for him. Uh, continue to try to help him. Uh, a few years later, his health is getting so bad that uh, he wanted to move back here. And so one Sunday after church, I got on a plane and flew to Louisiana. At this point, all his earthly possessions fit in his little pickup truck. And uh, drove all night, drove him back here to Hagerstown, got in one, in, in one of these towers. At least he was around some other people and he made some friends. Uh, being an alcoholic, his, his health continued to deteriorate. And... Uh, then she wound up in the VA hospital and he died. And I was able to do his funeral. Uh, but he was what I would describe as a selfish person. Um, 
I don't know what his life was before I, I met my wife. Um, their relationship, which he says it wasn't, he wasn't that great a dad to begin with. But his life was all about him. And it's sad to watch as, as a person, life deteriorates and they wind up with no one. Um, you see the person is broken and you don't know necessarily why that's happened to that person. Uh, hopefully you, you try and love on them and, and um, um, show them God's love and, and compassion and, and treat them as best you can. Try and empathize. Uh, you can't always empathize with what they did to get where they are, but you can always empathize where they are. So, uh, he, never he never apologized for not paying his money back. The best I can tell, he never apologized to my wife for the way uh, she, she treated, her, treat, treated her. Um, so, that's my, our story, my wife's story. In your life situation, where you are, what does it look like for you? Uh, it might be, I heard a lot of stories last week and as you share with me, a lot of them are parent-child problems and uh, that's sad to hear. Uh, maybe husband-wife, <laughs> like on the screen, uh, maybe among siblings, maybe church-related. Um, you know, uh, when I talk about this, and I know it's difficult, when we talk about these things, people come to mind. But it's not just about you and that other person. We live in community, and when we live in community, what, what happens is uh, other people suffer. So who else is suffering from the consequences of your bad blood relationship? Um, people around you, yes, because they, they affect our, affects us, so it's going to affect our relationships. It affects our relationship with our kids, grandkids, spouses, so forth. It hurt me to see how my stepdad, I mean father-in-law, treated my, my wife. It just did. And it was difficult for her, so it affected uh, our relationships. So my hope is in this series, we'll do this for a couple weeks, is to help you find peace, to help you find freedom uh, from your bad blood relationships. Because the truth is, bad blood is costly, this on your outline, and complicated, isn't it? It's just so costly. It's costly in, in uh, time and energy, and uh, it just complicates our relationships. It costs us peace. It uh, costs us peace and, and freedom and joy, and it also uh, affects or complicates other relationships. Uh, we showed you a video last week, if you weren't here. Uh, we showed it again. I thought it was so good that it was worth showing again, and some of you didn't, didn't see it. First service people didn't see it. And it's talking about empathy and the difference between empathy and sympathy, and uh, it's really good. But part of a TED Talk. So what is empathy? And why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions, where empathy is relevant and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment. Not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is being with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole 
and they shine out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, I'm down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, uh-huh. Uh, no, you want a sandwich? Empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, is an empathic response to begin with at least. I have it, yeah. And we do it all the time, because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put this a little lining around. So I had a miscarriage. Oh, at least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. <laughs> John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now, I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. Well, it's not always the response, it's the connection. Empathy. So we say the path of peace is paved with empathy. That's the place we need to start. So then we get to the dreaded F word. Um, forgiveness is the vehicle to move you down the path. So I've chosen to take the long walk around to empathize. What do I do next? Forgiveness. Uh, who do you need to forgive? There's a lot of confusion about forgiveness. For one, it's a process. It takes time. It's like a, a, a it's an emotional wound, like a physical wound. It just takes time to heal. And so a win in the process would be, well, I hate that person a little less now, or it hurts a little bit less now than it used to hurt. Another confusion is it's that it's condoning. If I, if I forgive them, it's condoning what they're doing. No, it isn't. It's not about if you're condoning or not. Another thing is, well, I can't forget. Well, it, I think the power in forgiveness is not in forgetting. It's being able to remember and yet forgive and yet not continue to hurt us. Um, it's not getting an apology. You may never get an apology. Uh, we never got an apology from my, my father-in-law. Uh, it's not that. Uh, someone has said, and you've probably heard this, unforgiveness uh, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Uh, it affects us more than it does the other person. Someone else has said it's giving somebody rent-free space in your head because they, uh, they do. They just take up mental energy and mental thought. Uh, they're robbing you of peace and contentment and uh, being able to move, move forward. Forgiveness allows you to set the prisoner free and what you find out is you're the prisoner. It sets you free. So he looked at something that the guy named, by the name of Paul wrote in the New Testament. And Paul knew all about bad blood. 
because he hated Jesus' followers and he had them executed and, and imprisoned. And uh, so he was an enemy <laughs> or he had blood, blood with anybody who called himself a Jesus follower. And then all of a sudden he becomes a Jesus follower. He switches sides. So now he has, he's bad blood with all the people that he was friends with, the people that weren't Jesus followers. But he had to fix the relationship with the Jesus followers. And if you read Acts chapter 9, he talks about that. Nobody wants, the Jesus followers don't want to have anything to do with Paul. So uh, eventually, obviously, they worked through that. Uh, forgiveness and, and, and peace was established. Relationship was established. So he started in, in Romans 12, 18. So we're going to start there today, but then we're going to cover the next couple of verses. <clears throat> so he said this, if it is possible, meaning it's not always possible, but if, if, if at all possible... As far as it depends on you, you can't control the other person, but you can control you. So you do everything you can do. We even said, even share it with other people, your small group, get suggestions of other things you might be able to do. But when you've exhausted everything you know to do, to try and live at peace with everyone. Because this just makes your life better. Holding grudges uh, doesn't make life better. Not forgiving people doesn't make life better. So then he gives us some practical things to do. First he says, dear friends, never take revenge. Never means what? Never ever, right? There's no exceptions to this. There's no situation, no case scenario where you and I should seek revenge. Now, when we think about revenge, it normally isn't bodily harm, is it? We don't usually go and punch somebody we have bad blood with. Hopefully you don't or key their car, or something like break their windows, or something like that. Um, for most of us, revenge takes a more subtle, is more subtle than that, and I put this on your outline. It's not just, or not normally, external retaliation, but it's this internal celebration of their misfortune, right? Oh, I'm so sad that you lost your job, or, oh, that's so that's fortunate that you're spouse left you or your kids won't talk to you or whatever it might be with sarcasm obviously but as long as you and I live with that internal celebration of their misfortune we're not free we're still prisoners to that bad blood relationship so God in his wisdom says hey never seek to take revenge so they just get off got free I'm not too comfortable with that God well no 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 just just Follow along. He goes on to say, <clears throat> leave that, the revenge part, leave that to the righteous anger of God. So it's not just forgotten. It's going to be dealt with, but it's going to be dealt with by someone else. Not by you or I, but by God in his righteous anger. Or the old, older translations say wrath of God, right? <clears throat> There's a lot of misunderstanding about God's anger also. I think a lot of us think about it like I thought about <clears throat> When I was a kid, and uh, I don't know if you, we, we try not to do it with our kids. Of course, I worked out of my home most of the time, but uh, you ever get in that situation where our mom usually disciplines you, and the, but sometimes it's so bad that she says to you, just wait till your father gets home? Well, uh, that would happen to us occasionally, and uh, probably wouldn't happen nowadays, but back then, my dad, that meant when he got home, he took his belt off, Okay? And uh, it wasn't so bad because once it, you know, we got our spanking, uh, you know, five minutes later it stopped hurting. It was that anticipation, waiting 
for those hours for dad to get home just knowing that the pain was coming, right? <clears throat> but God's anger is not like my dad taking his belt off. In fact, some of you might be here today just thinking, hey, if I go to church on Sunday, it'll spare God pulling his belt off. You know what I mean? Uh, we get this kind of concept that God is going to uh, do that to us. In most cases, God can do what he wants, but in most cases, God's anger or righteous anger is simply the consequences of what you and I have done. I think it's Rick Warren says this, all sin has a kick. That's why we do it. There's a kick to it. There's something enjoyable about it. But the kickback is always worse. The payback is always worse. <clears throat> and so when, you, you, when somebody mistreats one of God's children, just like if somebody mistreats one of your children, uh, you're not going to let that go, are you? And so God says, okay, I'm, I, I'm not letting it go. I'm going to deal with this situation, but you need to let it go. Leave it. Leave it to me, all right? Uh, your God. Then he quotes Scripture, which for him would have been the Old Testament. This is actually at a, out of Deuteronomy. I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. All right? So, okay, I'm going to handle it. God speaking. I'm going to take care of this. So if that's his job, what's my job? My job is to believe him. My job is to trust him going to take care of this. All right. Now, our problem is we look at this person that maybe he's mistreated us and their life seems great. They're happy, things are going well for them and we just wonder, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's going on here? But the truth is, hurt people hurt people and no matter how good their life might look on the outside, if they have hurt you, it's because they are hurting. It's amazing to me. I've heard a, a, a sportscaster on a, a sports center use this quote, hurt people hurt hurt people. It's gotten, in, gotten into mainstream society, but it's true. Now, let me ask you. <clears throat> the worst decisions you've made in your life, when you made those decisions, were you in a good place or a bad place? And most of the time, we were in a bad place, right? Because we're in a bad place and we make bad decisions and uh, bad things happen. So, who could do a better job of getting revenge on someone? You or God? Silly question, right? Often we couldn't do it if we wanted to. We wouldn't know how to do it. We don't have the capability to do it. We don't have the power to do it. And we, even if we did, we'd probably do it wrong, right? God says, okay, you don't have to worry about it. I will take care of it, and I can do whatever I want. I'm God, right? And I'll do it just right. Just do it perfectly. So I, I know this isn't a real word, and I've already used it. Spell check tells me it's not a word, but I, we talk this way, I know. So unforgiveness, not a real word. But we can't forgive somebody. It's a failure to believe what God says. I've failed to believe that God is going to take care of it, that he's going to get revenge. He's going to pay them back. So God, no, no, you, you can't handle it. You're not going to do it properly. I need to not forgive them. The problem with this is it keeps God out. It hinders God. It keeps God out. So when you and I pray, God, fix, you know, fix this situation, God says, well, I can't. <laughs> Until you forgive him, I, I, I can't. You, you, you blocked me out. You, you kept me out of the situation. 
So once we can change our perspective to trust God, to never seek revenge, leave it to him for payback, then God can get involved in the situation. But again, am, am I supposed to be passive? Okay, God, you got it. I'm just, forget about it. No, 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 no. It's not that easy, is it? In fact, God asks us to do something even more difficult than forgiving the person. And what would that be? He said, instead of seeking revenge, doing bad to them, you're not supposed to just be neutral to them. You're supposed to do what? <laughs> do good to them. Of course, Jesus said, love your enemies. And whether you think of them as enemies or not, if you've got bad blood, he says, if you're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. So if they have a need, help supply the need. That's what he's saying. The people have bad blood? Yes. <laughs> the people you have bad blood. The people you might even consider enemies. He says, in doing this, now why would God tell us to do this? Because in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. He says to do this because this is the best thing to do. This is the best thing to do because it actually works. All right? You ever try things that didn't work? Because he's saying here in this heaping coals of fire on their head, that this is leading them to the place you want them to be. It's leading them to the place of repentance. Isn't it just aggravating when you've been not, not, been, not, been, ni- not been nice to someone and they're nice to you? Did it just bother you? And that's what he's saying here. Kill them with kindness. And it's just going to be difficult for them. And they're going to have to <clears throat> deal with or react to that. Um, earlier on, and Paul wrote this in that same letter. He said, God's kindness is intended intended to lead you to repentance. This is really important for us who are are, are talking to people that aren't Jesus followers, and if you're not, we're certainly glad that you're here. But what's more appealing? That if you don't straighten up, God's going to get you, and when you die, you're going to go to hell, or God loves you enough to send his only son to die for you, so just possibly you'll accept that gift and receive his forgiveness. What's more appealing? What drew, drew you to Christ, those of you who are Jesus followers? I would guess it's God's love and grace more than it is God's anger. So what do you do about your bad blood? Well, a couple of interesting things to do. Accept the apology that you never received. My wife never received one from her dad. Just accept it. Pretend that they gave you an apology. How much different would would you be? How different would you feel? How different would you respond? It'd be a game changer, wouldn't it? If you accepted an apology that you never received. And then secondly, give them the blessing they never received. Hurt people are hurt by something. And the thing that you and I can do to help their healing is to give them a blessing, do something good, feed them, give them something to drink. Because Folks, this is exactly what Jesus did for us, right? That's what the cross is about. He gave us a blessing when we didn't didn't deserve it. And then he says this, Paul says this, don't let sin have power over you, let good have power over sin. Okay, you got a choice. You can lose by not forgiving, you can win by forgiveness. Of course, Queen Elsa gives us some good advice, right? Just let it go. Let it go. And AA, I believe, it says let, let, it, let go and let God, right? Good advice. 
And they say, but I don't feel like it. And the, the response to that, you do it until you feel it. We, in our counseling, we do this all the time. I don't feel like loving to my spouse anymore. Well, do loving things to your, for your spouse and eventually you'll feel loving again. It works, absolutely. We've seen it over and over. We saw it, it worked in our relationship. So peace begins when you, your demand for payment ends. When you let it go. I'm not trying to hide it. I don't expect payment back. I don't want payment. In fact, I'm going to do good to you. Well, you say that lets them off the hook. Well, isn't it again? Isn't that exactly what Jesus did for you and I? <laughs> Let us off the hook? So if you ever have trouble letting them off the hook, just remember how much God has let you off the hook. So who do you need to forgive? At least somebody's going to come to mind, I'm sure. So first, forgive the debt. Just forgive it. It's not worth it. Let it go. And then take the first step. Whatever that might be. It might be writing a letter, making a phone call, getting somebody else to help, whatever. I don't know what it is. But let me just say to you, this to you also, because it applies to my father-in-law. It's never too late. There might be someone that's, that's gone from your life and you still have bad blood with that. It's never too late to go through this process to accept the apology that they never gave and to let it go and have peace. You'll never passively find what you do not actively, actively pursue. Right? So again, it's just not doing nothing. It's forgiving and then blessing. So, pursue peace. Run after it. Chase after it. Work for it. Get to the place where you can have enough compassion that you can pray for the best of that person. That's how you know if you're forgiven a person. When you get to the place where you can genuinely pray for their best. And I put an example on your outline. God, would you help me see them the way you see them? A little preview for next week, and then we'll have a song let you go. Okay, let's pray. Again, I know this is a difficult topic, but it's so important. Hopefully you can join us next week. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the wisdom in your word. Tell us how to deal with these situations. Still doesn't make it easy, but at least we know uh, the right things to do, the best things to do, the things that actually work. Uh, if we've got bad blood, obviously what we're doing isn't working. And God, we thank you so much that you've let us off the hook. That's what Jesus death means for us he took our place we get to go kind of scot-free he paid our debt for us so he says forgive others as he has forgiven us and so that 
at least intellectually, should be easy. Again, it's a process. It'll take time. So God, we just pray for, the, for wisdom to know what to do and the courage to actually do it because that really is the hard part. We thank you for Jesus. We pray for anyone here that's not a Jesus follower. Today would be the day they'd step across that line and, and actually say, yes, I accept that gift. I thank you so much that Jesus forgives me um, when I don't deserve it. Um, God, we just thank you for forgiveness. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.